Welcome to the number one place you should send anyone trying to get out of the rat race and build a little wealth. When you're building your portfolio, starting from the ground floor, you need something different that you never thought you'd have before. A rabbit in the hat called the Not Your Average Investor Show to inspire you, entertain you, and teach you how to grow your dough. Surrounded by a tribe with a vibe you've been seeking for. With people in your corner gonna make you really, really grow. But just how fast you'll grow, how big you'll go, you couldn't possibly know. Not at this point in time. But that's why we're here. Welcome to the Not Your Average Investor Show and Community, where we figured that most of us trying to get out of the rat race need a little bit of education and a lot of friends to help us understand complicated asset classes. And that's what we provide here with a focus on helping you get into one of the greatest long-term risk-adjusted asset classes in the history of investments, rental income properties. But don't hear from me. Join us right now to our live show, Already in Progress. Enjoy. But I know that when you need to check in on Not Your Average Investors, you go to live on Facebook for the Not Your Average Investor show on Thursday, the JWB, Retailing Property of the Week. Week, 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 week. I'm your host, Pablo Gonzalez. With me, as always, a man that I like to call GC because of his genius concepts, because he generates cash flow, because he's a great co-host, and because his name is Greg Cohen. Say hello, Greg. Hello, everybody. Great to be with you. And with us, as always, is our super duper star community manager, Madison Lipson. Welcome, Madison, to the show. Hello, everybody. It's Madison the Magnificent. Oh, that's right. Oh, my bus. Bring in the fire, Madison the Magnificent. Let me know. Let me know in the chat. Can y'all hear Madison? Okay. Is she she coming through on the mic? Let me know. And Pablo the Rookie. Yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great, that's a great nickname for me. Today, we're talking about a cash flow positive from day one and 16,600 buyer credit at close. Wow. It's might be a world record. I'm looking that that sounds like a world record to me. I'm looking forward to that. I am looking forward to spending time with you right now. And if you're on the podcast, you're on YouTube, you're on Facebook, love to have you. Although we say, although we suggest, we lightly suggest go to nyais.com, register for the show, put it on your calendar, show up on a Tuesday or Thursday, whenever it makes sense for you, have a good time with us and be part of the roll call. Y'all ready for the roll call? I'm ready. Roll call time. Madison Lipson already welcoming everybody to the show. We got Bill Shields, number one. Buenas tardes, amigos. We got Nadim Shah from the West Coast. Hi, everyone. Good afternoon. Good morning. John Henning, good afternoon all. Dean Curry, good afternoon from Dean in Ohio. We got Jen Filson, the fairy godmother of the Not Your Average Investor Show community. Greetings from lovely Monterey, California. We got Leo for Leo Furagan. Now I'm just messing up his first name. Leo Furaganan. Good morning all the way from the Bay Area, Bay Area, California. We got Joanna Batista. She's with us. Hello, JWB fam. We got Noah Randari, nicknamed TBD. Hello, everyone. Another great day. We got uh, Anthony Ditta joining us from South Florida. Hello, everyone. We got Chris Gonzaga from the Hudson Valley of New York. That's the number one valley in all of New York State. Just, wow. just letting that. you know that in my eyes. At least. He says, good day, everyone. Uh, who else we got? We got Drew Barnhill, the ringmaster of the Not Your Average Investor Show community. He says, good morning, everyone. Who else going through the roll call, scrolling through the chat? Kendaline, the patriarch 
of the Not Your Average Investor. Oh, Ken and Carolyn. It's the patriarch and matriarch of the first family of the Not Your Average Investor show community. We got Lewis Hudnell, morning from Milipitas, California, my favorite place to pronounce outside of uh, Peru. We got Gerard Wendling. He says, hey, all from Anderson, Indiana. Gerard, new name? I think it's a new name. Welcome to the show, Gerard. New Happy to have you. I love, I love when you show up to the show and you check in in the chat so I can say your name and it challenges me to mess it up in some uh, <laughs> innovative way. We got Marilyn Cotterman from Homosassa, Florida. Home of the manatees. She says, hey, all, it's a beautiful day in the JWB neighborhood. Agreed. We got Sergio Preto, go Gators. He says, hey, everyone. Go Gators. Go Gators. Hola, everybody. We got Miguel Angel Sanudo from Granada, Spain, one of my favorite places in the world. We so got, great to have you, Miguel Angel. So great to have the Spanish contingency all the way from Andalusia. Uh, we got Hervé Francois. He says, happy birthday from from Thursday. <laughs> happy happy Thursday from the JWB fam all the way from the Dirty Jersey. Welcome to ha- welcome back. We got Camille Jameson from Jameson Financials. Good to have you back, Camille. Welcome. You're officially a regular. We got Victor Alinas in the house. Good morning. We closed on our fourth and fifth property yesterday. Woo-hoo! Let's go, Victor. Way Love to go, that. Victor. Uh, this is when I need some sound effects. Yeah, I know, right? Victor. All right. So we'll do Danny Davis says, Guten Tag from Deutschland, Germany. So good, good to have good, you. Good to have you back, Danny Davis. I'm going hard at the accents today, you are, man. You are. You're on fire. <laughs> Kind of on fire. All right. That's it. That's it. Oh, Victor is in Roseville, California. I'm not sure where Roseville is, but I would love to know because I love Cali. All right. You know what happens after the roll call? It's my favorite segment. I wait all week for this. I wait all week for this. It's Madison Shares Good News. You guys put a lot of pressure on this good news. I'm just <laughs> I love it too. All right. I know my mic is a little crazy, so bear with me. If you can't hear me, I'll turn it up, but ignore the feedback. In the last two weeks, the good news is we have had five existing clients put more properties under contract. Woohoo! Super cool. Whole five of them, including those five, we have introduced or welcomed two new clients via referral from current clients who have also put con- uh, houses under contract in the last two weeks. So give them a little shout out. Love. Our existing Current clients that we love so much is Stefan, Damien, Matthew, Justin, and all the one and only Pablo. Hey, yo. Yeah, gotta Woo. love that. So they all put um, houses under contract in the last two weeks. Our newbies, which I hope they start showing up to the show, is Tracy and Ron. Ron was here Tuesday. I'm not sure if you guys remember him. He was referred to by one of our new regulars, Joe. So love. super cool. Super good news. It's amazing. Super good news. That's why they call her Madison the Magnificent. Thank you, Madison. I appreciate you. All right, GC. Well, that's that's exciting stuff. I mean, I'm pumped about my property. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm and I'm and I'm pumped for all of this. I'm pumped for having who was it that checked in that just that just picked up a property? Victor also? Alinas. Victor Alinas from uh, NorCal. We found out that that's outside the Sacramento area. Love it. Victor, love having you, Madison. You're clear off the screen, and now it is time for. Greg's breaking news. Well, you know, we have Madison shares good news and Greg shares does news. not share good news. But I think it's it's worthwhile to talk about. You know, we just did our client only call on Monday and then we had the Not Your Average Investor show on Tuesday. And the theme of that show was market signals. And it was about the signals in the stock market that were telling us that there is going to be some pain 
in the stock market. And it was also the signals in real estate that are showing us that even though we've had outsized appreciation, and even though interest rates are going up, we are still seeing price growth in the Jacksonville market. And we expect it to continue here in 2022. With that, you know, I was just sharing before the show here that I've been on information overload and I've checked more into the S&P 500 over the last two weeks than I probably have in the previous 20 years. And, you know, it was very clear. Now, you know, clearly I do not want bad things to happen in the stock market, but when they happen, it's my job to share them with you to help you make better decisions about what to do with your money. The S&P 500 yesterday dropped 4% in one day. That is the worst drop since June of 2020. We are now at roughly an 18% drop in the value of the S&P 500 from its peak. The reason this is important is because on Tuesday and on Monday, we looked at data that showed that in a normal bear market, the average bear market lasts 9.6 months and the average bear market loses 36% of value in the S&P 500. We are not even at a bear market yet. A bear market starts at a loss of 20% and the average bear market means that you would lose 36%. And we also looked at the run that we have been on in the length of the bull run and the strength of the bull run. And when you look at PE ratios, which tell you that the stock market is overvalued, the, those signals would indicate that the run that we have been on is much stronger, which if you believe that things are cyclical, that the other side of that is also more powerful and would lead to a otherwise larger drop in value due to a bear market. A lot of words there, but here's the deal. Stock market's going down and you have the opportunity right now to do something about it and put it into real estate. And I think you're going to make more money now when you combine what you're going to earn in the long-term value of real estate and you combine the losses that you're preventing. If you were to take your money out of the stock market now, this can be one of the single best decisions that you can make as far as your financial future. So I'm urging people to consider the market signals. With that, I also looked at the signals in real estate and we just happened to update our reporting on uh, the Jacksonville home prices. So on Monday and Tuesday, we were using data from March of 2022, from March to April, which we now have April data, the home prices in Jacksonville rose from a median home sales price of 340,000 to 350,000. Lord have mercy. Okay. This trend is going to continue. Home prices are going to continue to go up in the Jacksonville market due to the lack of supply. And this trend in the stock market is going to continue in my estimation because of the overwhelming signals and data points and what's really going on in the world that is going to lead to a lot of pain in the stock market. So this has been the opposite of Madison Shares Good News for those who are in the stock market, but I just think it, it's worth talking a lot about because I think it's an opportunity to help. Yeah. And I would love to know from our community, right? Like, does this, does this help you? Is this a realization that you had to have before getting into rental properties? What else? What do you, when you talk to your friends about how pumped you are of being in this asset class, what do they hit you with? Right. Cause we would love to make content around shining a light on whatever else they're either investing in or whatever else they are afraid to move out of anything like that. We would love to, we would love to dive into that. So let us know in the chat or in the Q&A, whatever you want. But I get the sense of when when you and I first started working together here on the Not Your Average Investor Show, you were real 
you were real like light treading. Yeah. And some sometime last year you started kind of like stepping pretty firmly. And right now it feels like you're stomping the ground like a galloping horse. And, you know, to me, it's, it's clear that it's clear that the level of concern and the level of opportunity has been ramped up at this moment in time. So we want to help as many people as possible. And I think it's worth uh, testing it from every angle, right? Like we are, I'm, I'm in, right? Like I'm, I'm making the same, the same considerations talking to my wife and telling her that last week, uh, you know, <laughs> we pulled out of a, an IRA plan that was worth about $100,000 in December that was now worth $87,000 that if I would have done it today, as of last week, would be worth considerably less again, right? Yeah. So, you know, whatever whatever we can give, and, and it it took some courage to do that, right? Like I was scared crapless, yep. <laughs> you know, yep. like of making the wrong decision. I, I consider myself very privileged to have access to your brain on a regular basis and, and access to like seeing what happens around this company. So whatever we can do to, to highlight the things that need to be highlighted in order for folks to develop that courage and take that opportunity. Cause the way I see it, not only did I invest in something that I believe will return to me at around a 17% return or 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 somewhere around those lines as opposed to like a 9% return if I'm Warren Buffett, I also build in the idea that that 9% return I was about to like look at was about to lose and then I can get back into that, yeah. you know, what you know, what was it, 4% yesterday? Yeah, you know, like loss. like like bake in bake in 4% right now that I that I didn't take a loss on in order to put this in this thing. So yeah. we want to help. Well, the reason that you're seeing me go so strong like a like a galloping horse, is that is that what so I'm reminding you of said, right yeah. now? <laughs> that's what I said. Like, uh, you know, like the Budweiser commercial of the Chrysdales. Like I'm just galloping. I see like just, maybe like four Chrysdales. <laughs> the reason I am coming at you like four Clydesdales with this message is because there is an urgency to this message. And this isn't going to be the same message that we're talking about in you know, a year because that that opportunity to preserve the capital in the stock market that you're otherwise going to lose, it's, it's going to go down by that point. And then it's just going to be comparing stocks and real estate again, which has been always what I've done. But there hasn't been another time when the signals for real estate, or excuse me, the stock market have been this bad. I just I don't ever remember it. So yeah. that's, there's like urgency here. Like, listen, evaluate your own money and where it is. And for those of you who've been thinking about buying rental properties, move it over to rental properties now. now. Like, it's just very clear. Yep. Makes sense. Okay. We got that out of the way, GC. Yeah. We got the good news from Madison. We got the news from Greg. <laughs> and now let's get into You know what? Miguel Angel Sanudo already has a question in the Q&A. Miguel Angel, always so helpful. Always giving us great questions to ask. He asked since he is from Granada, as you know, mm-hmm. or he lives in Granada. I'm not sure if that's mm-hmm. where he's from from. But he asked, anybody knows if I can get a loan being a, a, a foreigner to the United States of America? Yes, you can get a loan. If you are not a U.S. citizen, if you are a foreigner, you can get a loan. Miguel Angel, you should just expect that your terms of your loan are not going to be as advantageous as a normal loan here or conventionally financed loan. We would need to sit down with you and, and understand, well, is with the terms that we have for the loan, is it going to make sense for you to purchase that property? So I would really encourage you to reach out to the team, reach out to your portfolio manager, and we can start to have those conversations. We may look at the loan that is available for you. And I don't know exactly what those terms are right now. We may look at them and say, you know what? Might not be the best thing for you to do. We may look at it and we say, well, yeah, this thing is positive cash flow. We're, we're good here. So 
Let's start that conversation. So just kind of reading some of the data points here in the chat, Leo is saying his friends are continuously discouraging him from investing in real estate. In the meantime, his meme coins lost 95% of value. Go figure. Dean Curry is saying my financial planner is concerned about having a all legs in one basket approach. Wasn't happy when he took the money out of his SCP and put it in real estate. Chris Gonzaga says a lot of people seem to be waiting for prices to drop, but doesn't seem to be the case this time around, right? Well, we've been hitting that one pretty hard. Yep. And uh, Miguel Angel says, don't forget financial advisors don't make that much money if someone else is dealing in their money. So, you know, all these different things. All right, let's uh, change tunes and uh, take a little ride on the uh, magic, not your average investor show shuttle to... <laughs> I thought I was going horseback here. Let's gallop over. Let's gallop over to 5126 Astral Street, Jacksonville, Florida, 32205, $200,000 house, three bedroom, one bathroom, one car garage, estimated rent range, lease uh, 1300 to 1375, lease for two or three years at 1338. And uh, a little picture here. Clearly, it is our renovated property. And uh, estimated conventional financing total monthly cash flow of $41 and estimated conventional financing total ROI, in parentheses, IRR, 11.53%. GC, what do you love about this property? Thought you'd never ask. Well, here's the thing I love the most about this property right off the bat is it's available. How hard is it to get inventory out there? This one is available at various points. We do have a waiting list here at JWB. At various points, we don't. And that's dependent on how many new construction homes we're able to release that week and then how many homes are purchased by clients. This one's available right now. So if you are that person who is thinking about taking money out of the stock market and putting into rental properties, and what we're sharing about this rental property is attractive to you, you can get on the phone with my team and this might be your property. Just like Pablo did last week with the property of the week, which is pretty cool. So it's available and availability is a huge benefit right now in a market where things are having a hard time. Supply is having a hard time keeping up with demand. The other thing that I love about this property is it is already rented, has a long-term resident in here who did sign a three-year lease. Mm -hmm. And this resident is not up for renewal until 2024. So you get availability. And the day that you close on this uh, property, you get positive cash flow, which you just don't find in the marketplace today. And you have a long-term resident who already signed up for a long-term lease there all the way through 2024. Now, you heard us mention this $16,600 buyer credit. That might be a not your average investor show world record for a buyer credit offered on a property. I'm sure I would imagine I'm going to get some questions about that. I would love to answer more questions about the buyer credit, but let me just keep it really simple here. When you get a buyer credit, you buy this property and at the closing table, you make $16,600. It is literally delivered to you at the closing table. And if you're talking about a way to earn a wonderful return on investment, coming out of the gates, having that inflow of cash into your pocket is a great way to start off your investment in a very successful position. Now, this isn't just free money that's given to you. This money is given to you because there are construction items that we are going to address later on down the line. This home is in wonderful condition for your resident. Obviously, just they just signed a long-term lease. It meets our standard. But there are some longer-term de- de- deferred maintenance items that we've established on this. 
and that we are going to give you the money now. And then over time, when this resident would leave upon the property turn, we're going to take care of those items at that point. And you've already got the money in the budget ready to take care of that for you. So $16,600 in buyer credits is a huge opportunity. 13,000 of that credit is those construction items that we are going to take care of when the time is right for the resident experience. And of course, for the house, it does not affect the rentability of the home in any way. And then $3,600 of that is a rent credit. So that's the ability for us to get the home up to market rent for, for your ability to earn a return on investment. So it's available. It's already rented, positive cash flow, and you walk in day one when you buy this property at $16,600 of construction credits. It's, uh, it's what we call a POT dubs. That sounds like 16,002 reasons to love this house. <laughs> there you go. GC, when you explain to me the buyer credit, right? I've, I have now invested in two homes that have had buyer credits, two out of my three. Exactly. When I think of the buyer credit, I think of baked in upside. Yeah. And that's kind of how you explained it to me. So I just to kind of like echo that stuff, because I, I, I get those explanations from you. The credit is going to come back out of my bank account at some point during the turn, right? But as long as, and, and I expect my home to turn at the average of what JWB residents turn at, which is 4.7 years, something like that. Four and a half years. Four yeah. and a half years, right? Months. That being said, I know that sometimes it's, you know, there's more, sometimes there's less of turn. Therefore, if for whatever reason, this tenant, this resident decides to stay a little bit longer then that money, that time value of money stays in my bank account, stays in what I've got going on, right? And 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 that is kind of like a baked in upside of, you know, I may use this at the time that you estimated that I use it, but if I use it any later, right. th- that's that little bit of upside that comes baked in with it. Is that kind of a accurate way of explaining back to you what you've explained to me? A couple of things. Let me clarify a couple of things. Please. So on the construction side, mm-hmm. right? We've already put our eyes on the home. We've already done an inspection on this home. So we know that these costs are going to be paid for down the line. So when you're talking about time value of money, right? You'd rather have the money in your pocket today, right? And then, you know, later on, there will be an expense versus not having the money in your pocket today. At the end of the day, in four and a half years or whenever the time period comes for them to move on, you're going to be in the same same place, but it's always better to have money in your pocket today versus later. So that's where the sure. time time value money component. So I wouldn't say there's upside for the construction credit. Okay. Okay. We know what the construction costs are going to be, right? And at some point when it makes sense for the resident experience, we're going to take care of those items. You've already just got it paid for. So no real upside for the construction credit. Now, what we were talking about on the rent credit, mm-hmm. there's upside on the rent credit. Okay. Right, because if your resident were to renew early, right, in your case, yeah, right, there for your property, I think it was coming up in November. In November, they had the opportunity to renew or not. You had a two-year rent credit given to you, which means that we're paying you the market rent for that property for two years, right? That's your rent credit. Mm -hmm. But in November, which is six months from now there's a data point for you. That data point means that those residents could choose to renew or they could choose to not renew. If they renew, it's going to market rent. If they choose to not renew, there will be another resident in place who will be at market rent. Yeah. 
So there's Which that. Which may be even higher than what right now we're estimating at that point. Exactly. Got it. So there's significant upside on the rent credit side. Got it. And this thing has a rent credit side plus like a big chunk of construction credit. Exactly. You know, the upside on the construction side would be, listen, part of the construction credit is going to be some brand new materials in the home. You know, like I, for example, I pulled, there's going to be a brand new water heater that's put in the home. So mm -hmm. that's a brand new water heater that might not be put in for three years. We know at some point it's probably going to not meet the JWB standard for what a water heater should be, but maybe it's not brand new until three years down the road or four years or five years we put it in because it lasts that long. So maybe you have more upside with the date of the work being later down the line. Yeah. Well, you know, I could, I could see that happening in the sense that like the idea that we're having this like supply chain shortage, I don't expect it to last three years. Like, right. you know, maybe it lasts. Costs go down. Yeah. Costs go down. Sure. Right? There you like go. Less demand. Um, that's a new, that's a new one. It's, but yeah. it's, a, it's a red hot, you know, like construction market right now. Maybe in three years, it's not as hot, right? Like pricing is down and labor makes, is down and stuff like that. Actually so there, makes sense. Yeah. There is some upside. It actually makes sense. I didn't mean it like it that. It actually makes sense. Look at that, everybody. <laughs> like, actually. All right. Oh, I didn't mean that. So, Chris. Let me just gallop on out of here. <laughs> Yeah, you go. Chris, I'm, I hope that that adds, answered your question, right? Because Chris Gonzaga had asked, what, what's a key factor in buyer credit at closing costs from JWB? Is anything that we didn't explain there that are key factors? Buyer credits are done when there's a triple win. When the resident wins, when you win as a client, and when JWB wins. And the resident wins here because we don't have to disrupt them. They are a resident that is paying below what you see on the property evaluation in terms of their rent today. And they're a wonderful resident. And we don't want to have to go in there and spend $13,000 of work on a house because that would displace them or make their lives otherwise not, uh, it's not as comfortable to do that. So we came up with this idea and we said, well, listen, if we're already going to spend this money, let's just not disrupt the resident. Let's, you can't force them to pay a higher rent rate than right now because they have a lease. What we can do is do right by the client. And so we basically bridge the gap in terms of what construction costs would be necessary to bridge it, to get it to our standard. And then we also bridge the gap for what market rent rate would be. By doing that, the client wins because now you have this asset that performs at an 11.5% return on investment. You have the opportunity to buy it. And then, of course, JWB wins. Had we not done the buyer credit, none of this would have been possible because the returns would not have been good enough to bring to you all and put our name behind it. And so we never would have sold this house. So it's a win across the board. That's why buyer credit happens. There you go. All right. We got another good question here from Andrew Olmsted, who put it in the chat. Andrew and everybody that's putting questions. I, I would prefer if if possible, if you could use the Q&A function for me to see the questions a little bit better, because as you can tell, the chat goes pretty quickly. That being said, Andrew, good to have you back. You haven't seen your name in a while. You're you're one of those like uh, like Raj and you that don't check in in the, in the roll call, but you always ask great questions when you come here. So I really appreciate it. Andrew asks, why do your performance now include appreciation to calculate the IRR where before the appreciation was zero in the performance? Great question, Andrew. And we, we went into depth about this probably two, three weeks ago. So would certainly encourage you to go back and to check the replays either on the YouTube channel or in the Facebook group, because you might get a more detailed you know, answer on this. But long story short, you know, I, I am in search of a common ground scorecard to analyze what decision you're making in the stock market or in bonds or in cryptocurrency or in real estate. I, I want one apples to apples comparison because I think people choose to make certain investments based on 
one bit of data, but if you put that data compared to the same other investment class, you may make a different decision. We just lack the common lingo. We lack the common metrics and we lack the common scorecard to do it. The common, the the apples to apples comparison actually is what's called the internal rate of return. This is the way that investors make decisions over a long period of time is how their money is going to perform regardless of if it's in the stock markets and real estate, if it's buying a business or whatnot, it's about your internal rate of return and your internal rate of return. Don't let that, that word scare you or those words scare you. It's really just about what's my return on investment taking into account the time of the cash coming back to me. So it takes into account the time of that cash. So the internal rate of return allows all of us here to have that common scorecard. In order to do that, if you look at the stock market, people invest in the stock market because people want stock appreciation. That's pretty much the only reason people invest in the stock market. Well, in real estate, if we're going to compare apples to apples, we have to compare it using appreciation as well. So you're right. This has been a big shift in JWB's history up until until now. We did not include home price appreciation in the evaluations. We made a big shift and it's because I'm just flat out tired of people choosing to go in one asset class and telling me it's for a certain reason, which I know if I put it into an IRR calculation, they would land at a different decision. Fed up with it. So now this is the way it is. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We got a we got a fed up GC over here, which is terrible news if you have a remodel, but great news if he's your investing advice. <laughs> All right. Great. Great question. Uh, great question. I appreciate that. Drew Barnhill. Ringmaster of the Natural Average Investor Show community has a question. What size is this lot? This looks like a good size lot. Looks I'm, like a lot, a lot. <laughs> I have no clue, Drew. I didn't look it up. It's not something I pay a whole lot of attention to, but we do have some Jacksonville investors here. If anybody knows how to go onto the city of Jacksonville website and wants to look, look that up and share with the, uh, the audience, that would be awesome. You can go to coj.net and go to the property appraiser site. If you're feeling like you're adventurous and you want to try to take that on, that would be awesome. But if nobody does, I'll find out. I'll send it over to you, Drew. We'll, we'll, I'll put it into the group. All right. There you go. Dean Curry is booing me in the chat and I'm not sure what I did. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I support. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dean, I accept your boo, but I would love to, I'd love some more information in there. All right, GC, we haven't done this in a while. Talk to me about total monthly cash flow of $41 versus this IRR number. What does the total monthly cash flow represent? So total monthly cash flow is really important. Number one, because what I want you to do, what I think sound investing advice is, is to buy assets rather than liabilities. An asset is something that pays for itself every single month. And then some puts money into your bank account every single month. A liability in the most simplest terms is something that takes money away from your bank account every single month, right? If you're looking to buy assets and liabilities, the simplest and the first place to look at is what is my, what's going to happen to me on a monthly basis? Do I have positive cash flow coming in after my expenses for the rental property? Or do I have a liability, which is more expenses of income coming in? And so we want to invest in assets. Cash flow is the first indicator there. The reason that it's also important is because for most people, if you actually sit down and map out their goals as far as what their real estate portfolio is going to provide in terms of passive income for them, their goals would dictate that they need to own three, five, 
10, maybe 15 or 20 rental properties over the long haul in order to actually achieve those goals. And as you start to get to a more scalable portfolio and you start to have three properties, five, 10, 15 properties, like many of our clients do, positive cash flow matters even more because what you don't want to have are 10 properties that are negative $100 cash flow because number one, you don't like money going out every single month. You'd much rather have money coming in, but you lose some of the risk mitigation. One of the reasons that I love this asset class is risk mitigation. The best way to mitigate risks is to have something paying for itself over and over and over again. So positive cash flow is important because it defines what an asset is versus a liability. If you're a simpleton like me, that's the way I do it. And then it represents the opportunity for scalability, uh, which is probably what you need in rental properties if you're like most people who, who, uh, who have goals of achieving a, a healthy amount of passive income from it. That right there is what I call a golden nugget that we're going to clip out and post on the JWB YouTube channel. If you're on YouTube, check it out. And while you're at it, you may have noticed that this is being done live in front of an audience. If you want to be part of the show, go to nyais.com. That's not your average investor show, nyais.com. Register and join us on a Tuesday or Thursday at 1230 Eastern. Trust me, it's as fun as it sounds. Now let's get it back to me and GC kicking it with our Not Your Average Investor homies. All right. Well, you know, I'm going to take this opportunity to hit a couple of things that we normally talk about that we don't get to, right? Like entry to the dance is, is kind of how you talk about positive cash flow, right? Because of the risk mitigation, because of the scalability, you look for the like, like break even to a little bit above positive cash flow in order to make this experience better, right? Yeah. Like you're still going to get the same returns. You're still going to, you know, do well financially, but the experience is affected uh, by this entrance to the dance. And I always like to compare it to, if you're an NFL fan, quarterback arm strength, right? Like you can't, there's great college quarterbacks that just don't have the strength to play at the NFL. You need a certain level of strength, but beyond that certain level, throwing a football through a barnyard isn't going to get you anywhere. We can't make great decisions and have good location. Like Jamarcus Russell. Like, like Jamarcus Russell. For those who are NFL fans, Jamarcus Russell was a draft pick. You could throw it literally outside of a stadium. Like you could throw it a hundred yards. Pretty much. Yeah. It was a terrible NFL quarter. First pick in the draft. It was the first pick in the draft. Not in the NFL anymore. No. no. <laughs> yeah. He would be the equivalent of having like $500 a month in cash flow and only making your decision on arm strength or cash flow. Yeah. Whereas 500 our- a month in cash flow and getting drafted by Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which nobody wants. <laughs> Which nobody wants. <laughs> but our approach is different. It's cash flow is the entrance to the dance that allows these other four profit centers to actually- contribute the significant part of your return on investment. And that's why we're never going to wow you with cash flows in Jacksonville. Been doing this for 16 years. We have never won the cash flow battle <laughs> compared to other cash flow markets out there. And we probably never will. But if you actually run a 10-year IRR and you look at the other four profit centers, even though we get less cash flow in Jacksonville, our overall returns after a 10 or a 20-year hold are better than all of those other Jamarcus Russell-ish 
You're more ben, you're more Ben Roethlisberger than Jamarcus Russell. Always, baby. Always, Always. big Ben, baby. Always. Awesome, man. And uh, before we get into the IRR calculation, we got a couple of great questions again in the ch- in the Q and A. We got Miguel Aguilis back with another great question. What makes the difference between JWB and Zillow estimates? For instance, about rental price. Great question. So Zillow is getting better as far as estimating rent prices and estimating home values but they're not there yet. There's nothing like looking at actual data points in a small area of town that have a similar style home that do not have any outside influences as to why the values might be lower or higher. You got to think about what Zillow is doing. They're compiling X number of millions and billions of data points. And their goal is to get you an accurate estimate of what your house is. But there's just, there's a lot of challenges there. I'm sure they're going to be there at some point, but right now they're not there, right? Condition of the house, really hard for them to know if this house is in a great condition or if it is in a, it's not in a great condition. If you're trying to rent a home and it's not in great condition, would you pay less for rent for that? Of course, right? If you're in a home that's in great condition, you should pay market value for rent. So Zillow is going to struggle with that. And, and for home prices, the same thing, right? If the home needs significant work, and it should sell at a discount where if the home that you have is in great shape, it should sell for market value. And what Zillow does is it combines all of that information using an algorithm, and then it uh, spits out a number, which has gotten better over time, but it ain't there yet. Do you want to know the biggest reason why I know it's not there yet? Is Why is that? Well, you guys can go back and look it up, but Zillow thought that their number was good enough to make decisions on buying. They use that Z estimate for themselves to actually buy properties. They did that for, call it six months or a year. They posted an insane loss on their real estate business based on using this algorithm. And they pulled out of it. They had an insane loss in the real estate business over the last, whatever, two years, while real estate values went up 20%, 26% year over year. And they did that because they paid way too much for properties and it was based off of this estimate. So it just wasn't just wasn't good enough. So again, long answer. You guys are used to long answers for me, but there you go. Zillow is a, a data point that you can look at. It's fun. It's easy to see. But if you're actually making buying decisions, rely on your boots in the ground, which is JWB. We actually have our own database of all of the properties that we rent. And we do the same thing in only four neighborhoods in Jacksonville. And we have over 4,500 homes now that we manage. And so when we want to pull up the rents for this home on Astral Avenue, and we know that the rents are going to be there at 1338, it's because we have data point after data point right down the road, right down the street, right down the road that were just rented within the last month, similar square footage. And it's really easy for us to set a rent rate. Same thing for home prices. And you still need that to to make a $200,000 buying decision, in my opinion. So basically, you basically just went scoreboard argument on Zillow. (laughs) Like you you tried to make business decisions based on your own data, Zillow, and you lost the game. Scoreboard, buddy. I don't know how you lost that much money in the easiest time to make money in real estate. Like (laughs) that was a bad bet. Well, Drew says... In the in the chat, he says, "I've actually followed the Zillow stuff, and JWB has always given me a higher rent rate than Zillow has posted, which is great." 
historic moment in the chat for me, by the way, GC, yeah. 200 plus episodes of the Not Travage Investor Show. We right now have a quarterback draft discussion being happening right now. I love uh, this. The, the name Ryan Leaf has been brought up, apart from <laughs> apart from Jamarcus Russell. Irve put a good list here of Todd Marinovich, Ryan Leaf, and Jamarcus Russell Thank as the true. all-time things. Nobody's brought up Joe Flacco because he got lucky with the Super Bowl, but we all know what we all know that he wasn't a great quarterback well, even though his arm strength. Arm strength. Are we talking about arm strength? arm strength versus decision making and stuff? But like I thought that. you were talking about the biggest bust of all time. I don't know about Marinovich's arm strength. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're talking about big but we're just bus? having a quarterback evaluation conversation. You see, you stay in your lane. I want to get into it. I want to. I'll, I'll stay over here at, at quarterback draft class. Speaking of a great conversation in the chat, Deborah Nordone or Nordoni, Deborah, let me know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. New name. New name. I think. Welcome to the show, Deborah. Good to have you. She's asking a great question that I think a lot of people often have that we haven't gotten in a while, which is, does this property reach the one percent rule? Deborah, great question. The answer is no. Uh, and if I expand a little bit beyond that, the 1% rule for those who aren't aware, you know, I was investing in 2006 and the 1% rule was something that people would say, well, listen, this is a good property if the rent is about 1% of the purchase price of a home, right? So for this home is $200,000. By that logic, this wouldn't be a good property to rent unless it rented for $2,000 a month. We are in at 1338 a month. There hasn't been a 1% rent, a property that hit the 1% rent rule. I don't know the last time. It probably was like, I don't know. In Jacksonville. Well, for JWB, the JWB is sold, right? It's over a decade. We haven't been there. And really the 1% rule is, a, is an idea that is outdated because now as home values across the country have gone up significantly, rents have also gone up, but they're not going up at 26% a year like we had in Jacksonville's home pricing last year. So, and this is very normal, right? Home prices tend to go up more than rent prices. And um, so the rent 1% rule, while it may have been possible during the great recession, as values dropped significantly, uh, it's just not possible now. It's really not possible if you want to be passive in this. If you want to be an active investor and you want to pound the pavement and put in your own offers and work with sellers directly, and then finally, you know, align and your own money. And contractors directly. Yeah. Well, I hadn't even gotten there yet. Yeah. But before that, you got you have to buy an undervalued property. So it needs a lot of work. You just can't get a loan on that. So now you got to come up with hundreds of thousands of dollars your own way. Then you got to manage the contractor. And then you, you know, if you're going to do that, you may have a property manager, you may not. If you're doing all of that, maybe you get into the, the property at for a hundred and, you know, for $134,000 on this one. I still don't think you do it. I still don't think you get there in the, if you were going to do this active, I don't think you could be into this property with, you know, $65,000 of equity. So it's outdated. It's a hundred percent outdated for Jacksonville for, passive investors. It's outdated for active investors as well. Most of them in the Jacksonville market um, and probably for most other markets across uh, the country. But if you're dead set on it, you probably got to go to another market like that market we don't talk too much about or we do talk, we talk about. We talk too. It's Jamarcus Russell's favorite market out there. Um, <laughs> Cleveland and other markets that are low priced. Yeah, um, Montgomery, Cleveland, yeah, stuff like that. Right. That's where you would have your best, the best chance. But here's the thing. 
Don't not, not Columbus, says Dean Curry. Not you're Columbus. Right, you're right. We got no beef with Columbus. <laughs> no beef. <laughs> we, the beef with Cleveland is clearly it's purely based on my love for the Steelers, and I think you all can relate to that. And, right? and, like, and my beef with sense, Columbus right? left when Urban Meyer left. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> right, I'm not going to go down that negative path. Here's Deborah. The the thing is, don't go chase the one percent rule. If you look, if if your goals are to earn the best risk adjusted return on investment over a ten or a twenty year hold period in time. Chasing the 1% rule will lead you to a different decision than you should make. If your goal is to just get the max amount of cash flow, then you can go in search of the 1% rule. But what you're giving up is growth. You're giving up um, outside tax savings. You're giving out outsized principal pay down, right? The value of inflation hedging is less in this other market. So you may search for this 1% rule. You may find yourself in a market like Cleveland or another market that is low priced. You might have to put their own work in yourself and be active. Maybe you get there and you still 10 years down the line are going to make less money. Maybe, maybe make less money than somebody who just did it passive in Jacksonville. And the reason is because Jacksonville's market grows so much more than a market like Cleveland over a 10 or a 20 year hold. Yep. There you go. That's what Drew said. Drew said, uh, you find that 1% maybe in stagnant markets. And um, Miguel Angel, very flattering to Drew, saying, Drew, you are a capo, meaning the boss. Love that. Um, Drew's, Drew's, yeah, el capo. That's like the, that's like the nickname for like the, I've only heard it in, in, uh, in reference to like the, to Pablo Escobar, like the, the big mafia boss, they'll call him a capo, but I, I think it. it means boss in general. Drew is our guest next week, by the way. If awesome. Anybody, anybody that wants to know about that, we're teasing that right now. I just want to, I just, I just want to say, I'm really pumped to have Drew on the show. Oh, it's boss in Italian. There you go. That's what it is. There we go. Okay. So one more question right here. Chris Gonzaga asks, do you find one bath houses harder to rent? Uh, we do not. You know, you adjust the rent accordingly. If you have two bathrooms, then your rent's going to be a little bit higher on this one. If you have one bathroom, then 1338 is exactly what it'll rent out for. Again, this goes back to just the incredible data flywheel that we have and the fact that we do the same thing and we're vertically integrated in one market. We have data point after data point after data point of homes that are three bedrooms, one bath that rented in the 32205 zip code or right around there. And so it's just What is really the 32205 easy. zip code? Where is that? West side. West side? Yep. All right, cool. I get very excited when you say data flywheel and vertically integrated in one sentence. Yeah. Did you see? Yeah, you I know. Made, you made my heart flutter. I know. All right. So let's talk about, so we talked about cash flow, right? That $41 per month. Uh, great question from Deborah. Let's talk about this IRR here, GC. What goes into this IRR? Maybe explain the explain the profit centers for me. So, as an investor, your first you know first job here is to make sure that you got the entrance to the dance, that you got an dance. asset here, that you got it working right, and you're and you're building up this portfolio of these assets and assets. Well, you also have to pay attention to what, how hard is my money working for me? That's your job as a financial engineer. How hard is my money working for me each and every year, right? So that's what this 11.53% return on investment is. This is saying, well, geez, I can earn 11.53% on my money here in real estate. And you can go and compare that to each and every year. How much is it going to earn in your estimation in the stock market or another syndication or in crypto or whatnot, right? But this 11.53% is year over year over year over year. It takes into account all of the good things that happen with the property, all the profit centers. It takes into account all of the bad things that are going to happen to the property as well. So the good things would be your home price appreciation profit center, your principal pay down, your tax savings, your rental income, 
Um, it's also going to take into account the negative items, which would be maintenance costs, vacancy costs, tenant placement fees. That's all oh, closing costs. I for, forgot to include that one, which many other real estate companies forget to put that in one in there for you. And so it includes all the good things, all the bad things. It takes into account how much time it took you for you to receive this money. We do this over a 10-year period of time. And if you go back and you, you run the analysis, which we do for all of our clients, that means that this property is estimated to earn 11.5% year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, all the way through year 10. And that's a really solid return over a 10-year period of time. There you go. I would love to add color commentary to that, but I am lost in this chat that's happening right now. Oh yeah. <laughs> now we've we've switched from NFL. <laughs> Madison said it well. Always learning something new here, from the worst NFL quarterback to new words to all things rental property investing. Love we've, it. we've started talking about the meaning of El Capo, different meanings of it. Miguel Angel says in Spain, El Capo means the best. Like it's like a, the best. We talked about El Jefe. We talked about El Patron. Anyways, we're we we continue down the this. down the path here. I love that. I, I also want to encourage the idea that, for example, Deborah, who's who's one of the first times we recognize you here, is that we sometimes have, you've been talking about this this importance of appreciation rate. I think it's, we talk about it a lot when it's here on the property of the week, but when we have a guest investor and we go through their journey, it's very, very clear when at the end you show them kind of like their profit centers. Yeah. It ends up being like 70% of the return, 80% of the actual exactly. like wealth that they create comes from this appreciation, which is one thing if you're thinking about of cashing it in. It's another thing, the way that I'm thinking about it. The idea that now that I have three properties, I think that in 10 years, you add up all the appreciation with these properties, I'm going to be able to do some really creative investing when I refinance these properties and take that equity out and put it into other vehicles that that make me some money. I I don't know if maybe you can speak a little bit towards that. I just think that's so smart because you're looking at the market signals right now and you're adjusting your your plans for your real estate portfolio to maximize what the market is giving you right now. Right? You are not a guy who's going to be 100% into real estate. Mm-hmm. Right? But you looked at the signals for real estate and you said, "Listen, I should do some different things, move some things around so that I can buy my three properties." this year. And then in two years, maybe when the stock market, I don't know what the stock market is going to be in two years, but there's going to be some pain between now and then in my estimation. Well, at that point, after the values have gone up, especially over the last year, your values have gone up. That's going to make it easy for you to refinance or what have you. You could go and backfill your stock portfolio at that point. You can continue to add, maybe if the stock market's down in a year or in two years, you can say, all right, well, now I'm going to buy back in. And you can get right back to those asset allocation percentages. So when I come so strong and I'm like, hey, listen, this is about using the market signals. You should move your money out of the stock market. You should put it into rental properties. There's always this caveat that I'm saying, if this is what you plan to do already, if you plan, if you have a buying plan and you're trying to buy over the next three years anyways, like you're who I'm talking to. I'm not talking to everybody and trying to convince everybody to go from the stock market and to like pull into to real estate. I'm really looking for those people who have planned to buy in your head. You've probably said, all right, I already got, I'm already mentally there. Maybe I don't have the funds in my bank account right now, but I have $100,000 in the stock market or $200,000 in the stock market. You're who I'm talking to. I'm saying, think about moving that, putting it into real estate right now. And then in a year, two years, three years, whatever, fill that stock portfolio back up. 
There you go. All right. Two more questions and we get out of here. Raj Bantu, right on time with a great question, asks, mortgage rates depend on 10-year treasury yield. 10-year yields are going down in the last few days. At the same time, mortgage rates are going up. Any idea why? No, I just think this is a chaotic market right now. I think a lot of the things that you would typically expect to happen aren't happening. So I don't I don't know why. <laughs> I think right now things are all over the board. You look in the stock market and I shared how the S&P is down 4% yesterday. I think today there's a bump and it's going back up. And the day before there was a 4% drop, you know, it was higher again, you know, people, people don't know what's going on. So, you know, but what I do know is that the Fed has signaled very strongly that they are going to increase the federal funds rate, which is uh, the short-term interest rates. They're going to increase that until they get inflation under control. And that's a really important message. That means that the it's an indirect effect, but that mortgage rates are going to continue to go up in the short run when you look at a, a longer time period. And what that also means is more of a reason why I'm very, very positive that there's going to be some pain in the stock market because and the Fed is basically saying, I don't care. The Fed in the past has sort of jumped in and bailed out the market, bailed out the stock market with drops to with, with more loose monetary policy, dropping interest rates because they didn't want to, they were concerned about there being such a loss in the stock market. The Fed is openly saying right now, I don't care what it does. We got to get inflation under control. Yep. If if there if it means that unemployment's going to go up, listen, that's okay. Just listen to what Jerome Powell just said. Do some do some research on it. He made it very clear they are going to raise interest rates. And that is another reason why the stock market specifically is reacting this way, because they know that means that there's less earnings out there for companies, so less money in the economy, there's risk of recession, and you're piling that on to already very strong market signals that the stock market was in for a tough day. All right, man. Well, last question here from Nadeem Shah. Did JWB start a waiting list and how were the names drawn and how many property owning clients does JWB have? Did JWB start a waiting list? So we have had a waiting list at certain points in time. The way this waiting list works is that it's all dependent on how many homes we have that come available that day. So let's just say that JWB buys a large package of homes. I know we're working on one right now. If that comes to fruition, we can buy those homes. We get those ready to become turnkey assets. Well, that might be 40 or 50 properties that we now have available at that moment, right? Well, we don't sell 40 or 50 properties a week. So if you happen to come to JWB at that time and you buy that property or you want to sit down and buy a property and we get to that point, well, there's no waiting list. We go straight from our onboarding phone calls to property selection like we always have. So that may be the case. Lately, we've reduced, released a lot of new construction homes, you know, 15, 20 homes a week. And that's a lot more than we sell on a typical week. We typically sell about 10 homes a week on a typical week. So as we stand right now, if you want to come in and you want to buy this property on Astral Street, you could be on the phone with my team, right? If you're a current client, you've already gone through the onboarding process and all that good stuff. I'm not sure who asked this question. Is it a current client? Uh, it's Nadeem. 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 Okay. We, we know and love Nadeem and his family, right? If, Nadeem, if you wanted to buy this one, you give us a call and boom, this one could be yours because we've already gone through it. If you're a new client, you're probably going to have a few weeks to for us to onboard you. This one may not be available, but there's probably going to be one that's very similar to it. So the waiting list is here sometimes. It depends on how much inventory we have at that moment. It depends on how much has been released in that moment. It depends on how much you all have bought that week 
So what were the other questions? How many property owning clients does JWB have? We have over 1,300 clients that have purchased over 2,500 properties with us. And yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. So this property is available. Their property is available. This, I could have just this said property is available. Oh, this property is available. This yes. property is available. $200,000, $16,000 buyer credit. Had I not bought last week's, I'd probably be buying this one right now. <laughs> what did I tell you last week? I, I was like, hey, man, this one's the right, right one for you. Why did I tell you that? Because it was available. It was because it, was and it had a great rent credit. And it had a, a buyer credit, <laughs> right? I was like, buyer credits are yeah. a pretty cool opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great show. I am very, very much looking forward to Tuesday when we get to have the ringmaster of the JWB Not Your Average Investor Show community, Drew Barnhill, the beloved Drew, the um, most creative financial engineer that I have ever heard of. And he's talking about creative ways to find capital to invest in rental properties. One of the number one questions that we get asked on the show is, where do I find some money? Drew is a beast at that stuff. I can't wait to just sit down and just uh, have this conversation with Drew. I think he's going to bring some stuff that I've never even probably heard. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's going to blow your mind. Yeah, man. So if you're listening to us on the podcast, thank you so much. If you're listening on the watching on YouTube, thank you so much. You may want to put nyais.com into the old browser and uh, register for next week's call because it's going to be a ton of fun. One of the One of the most beloved members of our community is on talking about one of the most requested subjects in our community. So I think we're really, really going to enjoy that. Um, Madison, thanks for being awesome in the chat. This was, this is one my, this is officially my favorite chat day. Yeah. Uh, like I paid less attention to you today I know, I than feel I have it. ever had. It was amazing. <laughs> um, and I had a great time. I hope everybody got some value. We really appreciate the fact that it's a Thursday, middle of the workday. You're spending time with us here. Um, and we promise to do our best to continue bringing you the value that brings you here apart from the fun times and the chat and the friends and, and the friendship and the inside jokes and the nicknames and the, me messing up your name and all those good things. So uh, GC, I'll give you, I'll give you here last words. I uh, just love it. We talk about how, you know, maybe the content or, or your relationship with JWB maybe brought you to the show, but what keeps you all coming back 30, 40, 50, 60 of you every single week, every single show, what keeps you coming back is the beauty and the connection of the friendships that we have yeah. here. The community is what keeps us all coming back here. And I just think that's, that's pretty awesome. It's funny, like being a host on the show, you would think it would I feel a little bit out of the loop, actually, because I don't see the chat. I'm like, I want to be in the chat. Yeah, I, so. feel, I feel bad for you, bro. I feel bad for you. <laughs> That's a credit to you all. So love you all. Thank you all for being here. We'll, uh, we'll catch you next week. And uh, until then, remember, do not be an average investor. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you listening to this podcast. Sending one of these episodes to a buddy or dropping us a review would be awesome. But what I really want you to do is go to nyais.com, register and join us live on a Tuesday or Thursday. Seriously, when are you going to do it? When are you going to be the next Lee, the next Jen, the next Nadim, the next Ken, the next Marilyn Cotterman from Homosassa, Florida, the next Hervé Francois, so I can butcher your name for a while and then become your buddy, the next Bill Shields to come up with a hilarious new way to introduce yourself every time I do the roll call. You get the point. We got a bunch of amazing folks. We want you to be a part of it. Join us live on the show. Go to nyais.com register join us at least one tuesday or one thursday a month at 12 30 
I promise it's as fun as it sounds. Hope to see you on the show. I promise you will not be treated like an average investor.